0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. This
1: is Bloomberg Daybreak for this Wednesday, the 31st of May in London, coming up today.
2: No decoupling, Jamie Dimon says the US will trade less with China, but still needs a relationship.
1: Ceiling to the floor, US debt limit bill clears the first congressional hurdle ahead of a vote today.
2: Grating expectations, UK business confidence falls for the first time in three months
3: treat AI like a nuke. That's Asda's price cap and putting the insolvency in CBI. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, chips are up. NVIDIA touches a $1 trillion market cap after beating
1: rivals to the AI boom.
2: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll.
1: And I'm Caroline Hepger. Here are the stories that we're following today.
2: The US debt limit deal has passed a key test clearing a Republican-led committee. The next step is a vote in the House of Representatives tonight. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says supporting the bill is an easy vote for Republicans. We
4: couldn't get everything we wanted and when we had this debate, you couldn't talk about the whole budget. So, in essence, we were only able to focus on about 11% of the budget. I understand people get upset about walking through a debt ceiling, but this is a House, a Senate and a presidency. I think when you read the Wall Street Journal, you read the New York Post, you sit back and listen to a lot of economists, they'll say, this is the strongest debt ceiling we ever had.
2: Many lawmakers from his own party still disagree with McCarthy, though. The House Freedom Caucus chairman Scott Perry says the group will do everything in its power to try to stop the deal.
1: Now, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says the United States will not decouple from China. In an exclusive interview with Bloomberg, the CEO of America's largest bank told us national security concerns don't equate to all trade.
5: If you ask me over time, yeah, there'll be less trade. You know, it'll take years for these things to take place, but it won't be a decoupling and, and the world will go on. I think, like I said, I think far more important is what's happening in Ukraine right now.
1: Diamond is in Shanghai for JP Morgan's China Summit. It's the first major event held by a global bank in mainland China since the pandemic. It comes against the backdrop of a US-China relationship that is at its worst in decades.
2: Well, Diamond isn't the only U.S. CEO in China. Elon Musk has told China's foreign minister in Beijing that the interests of China and the United States are intertwined, echoing recent remarks from the bosses of Apple and Mercedes-Benz. Musk is expected to tour Tesla's Shanghai factory later today in his first post-COVID visit. It comes as Fidelity now says that Twitter is just worth a third of what Elon Musk paid for the social media platform. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the details.
5: Fidelity has marked down the value of its equity stake again. It first reduced value to 44% in November. And even Elon Musk now has acknowledged he overpaid. Most recently said it was worth less than half what he paid. Twitter has struggled since Musk became the chief twit. His erratic behavior regarding content moderation has caused a 50% drop in advertising revenue and racked up $13 billion in debt. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Here in the UK, business confidence has fallen for the first time in three months. Bloomberg's U.N. Potts has the story.
2: Business confidence, as measured by Lloyds Bank's business barometer, fell five points in May to 28%. The report says the recent higher-than-expected inflation figures weighed on firms' sentiment about the economy and also that inflationary pressures remain sticky for companies. The survey suggests further upward pressure on prices and that will concern the Bank of England. On the labour market, though, there were signs of some easing. According to the report, staffing expectations edged down from a 10-month high. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. NVIDIA's market cap has touched $1 trillion, becoming one of the fifth American company to ever hit the milestone. The chipmaker's shares have soared after a sales forecast predicting incredible demand for its semiconductors, which specialise in language processors like ChatGPT. Ark's Kathy Wood, who missed out on the $600 billion boom, was one of the few bears.
4: We're on to the next thing. NVIDIA is a hardware stock and sure it has some software, but uh, the history of hardware and software is the bigger beneficiary over time is going to be software."
2: Despite Wood's scepticism, NVIDIA is is already moving to capitalize on the AI enthusiasm. The CEO recently unveiled a batch of new products and services tied to artificial intelligence.
1: Okay, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. Uh, Now, it's some legal cases that have caught my attention. So, Sam Bankman-Fried, of course, his trial soon, he seems to be mounting an advice of counsel defence when it comes to these 13 counts of uh, indictment against him. He's due to face these charges um, and go for trial, basically, in October. So, his defence lawyers are trying to force the prosecutors to hand over documents given to the government from this California law firm called Feneca West, who advised FTX uh, and Bankman freed himself between 2017 and 2022. So it's quite interesting that we're now beginning to see the outline of um, you know, his, his defence when it comes to the not guilty plea that he has put in.
2: Yeah, a very interesting story to keep across as well. Another one that caught my eye this morning, though, is around mortgage deals in the UK and how the number of uh, mortgage deals are being removed from the market Mm. again. This, as uh, lenders try to refix, I suppose, around interest rate expectations. So the number of home loan products in the UK fell by more than 3% over the Bank Holiday weekend, just over 5,000. This is data from Money Facts being reported by our colleague Damien Shepherd. Saturday actually was the one biggest one-day decline in mortgages on offer in a year. Uh, The number of products now is lowest um, since March. Uh, So, interesting to see how the mortgage market is again under pressure as we're looking at this, you know, hotter than expected inflation prints, putting pressure on where the Bank of England goes next. How high will rates go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Deals drying up then. Okay, those are some stories of interest to us. Let's also bring you, though, our Big interview of the day: J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. He's been speaking to our chief North Asia correspondent Stephen Engel about, well, a lot of issues: the Fed, U.S.-China relations, and his own future ambitions.
5: When when we do business in a country, and we do visit 100 countries around the world, we are there for the citizens of the country, and we're there hopefully through good times and bad times. We tend not to leave other than there's war, or civil war. And so we're not predicting any of that here. You know, obviously it's become a far more complex situation. You know, for, some for good reason, some not for good reason. And you know, there's risk, there's always gonna be risk. And I think you'll see companies react to different things for different reasons. Some is their own resiliency, some is uh, obviously national security, you know, will trump all other things. So, you know, our government tells us to do A, B and C, we're gonna do A, B and C and, and support it. And I think there's, there's a risk in China itself that, you know, if you, the, the, I've met with several people here, if you have more uncertainty, some of it caused by the Chinese government, well, of course it's going to not just change foreign direct investment, which I, has gone up a little surprisingly, and I don't think they should assume that's continue, but it's going to change the people here, their own confidence, their own ability to, to invest and do things. And so, uh, uh, like I said, if people have deep conversations, respect each other, engage properly, I think the American government said all the right things recently, which is, because you heard it from Treasury Secretary Yellen, you heard it from President Biden, you heard it from National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, you heard it from Secretary of State Tony Blinken, that this is not decoupling. This is de-risking. The world's changed a little bit. Obviously they are concerned about the war in Ukraine. They should be. I think that's probably one of the most serious things affecting the future of the globe. And I mean the future of the globe for the next 50 years. And I think they're doing the right things. I'm completely supportive of that. uh, you know, China is obviously going to do what they think is good for itself, and business might be a positive attribute. But, but national security will trump all those issues.
4: Now, I was just at G7 where we heard a lot of that rhetoric, where they're de-risking, not decoupling. Uh, but again, you know, the Chinese say it's one and the same. It's it's America trying to limit China's rise, uh, and, and you've seen that bifurcation, there's more jargon, not to to overemphasize all this jargon that's going out there, but again, do you see de-risking being different from decoupling?
5: Totally. I mean, look, you know, Steve, you gotta look at the fact Trade actually went up uh, last year, and and I think de-risking means national security. You know, everyone's gonna, every country's gonna turn out their own way. You know, now we're talking about very advanced ships. Well, it's kind of reasonable, you know, not to help non-allies have things that can help the military. You know, obviously there are you know, rare earths and things like that. So America's going to look at that. They were very clear, they're talking about, a, they, they used the word, you know, a small garden with high walls as opposed to everything. And let's, you know, we should hope that let's not make it everything. I think the business community is trying to help advise them on that. Then there's going to be companies doing things just for their own resiliency. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to do too. And then there's the, the big one, which is also this constant negotiation about trade, unfair trade, free access, fair access. That's been going on with, for my whole life, with just about every country. And countries should learn about when they're legitimate concerns and when they're not legitimate concerns. And like listen to each other deeply and uh, uh, adjust accordingly. So if you ask me over time, yeah, there'll be less trade, you know, it'll take years for these things to take place, but it won't be a decoupling, and and the world will go on. I think, like I said, I think far more important is what's happening in Ukraine right now, and so uh, hopefully this will sort out, and it'll never sort out if people don't talk. So I urge people let have some real deep conversation, get to know each other a little bit, a little bit each other's concerns about some of these issues, and um, things would be better if we had that.
4: Yeah, I don't want to keep on harping on the negative side of it, but is there any scenario, the worst-case scenario, that would make your investment, and look, it's a sizable investment in China, make it untenable for you?
5: You know, Steve, you're going, you're going to repeat yourself over and over. We're here, we're going to support the Chinese people, uh, the Chinese governments. We do business with a 1,000 companies here. Half are multinationals coming in, half are local companies. Uh, you know, we always have managed our risk that we can handle almost whatever happens around the world and I am an American patriot. I will do what my government tells me. I'm going to salute like anybody else, but I can tell them what I think. And you could imagine that I've been very clear when I sit down with them what I think and what we think matters. And like I said, a lot of the business community I think would be very helpful in that. This is not a simple matter. And sometimes we oversimplify things in a way which actually damage, you know, the ultimate outcomes.
4: Let's pivot to what's happening in the United States. What's your read on inflation on whether the Fed will go beyond the pause and hike again?
5: You know, my simple view is that, you know, they, they, they're right to pause at this point. It's been a big increase, you know, 500 basis points or so. Take a pause. But I do think it's possible they're going to have to raise a little bit more. That, you know, inflation is kind of stickier. I think people are coming around to that, which means rates may have to go up a little more. People should be a little prepared for that. You know, just, a, just as a matter of managing your own business, be a little prepared for that. Whether you're a financial company or a real estate company, etc., I think the other thing I'd be a little prepared for is the volatility that might very well be created by quantitative tightening. We've never really had quantitative easing, which we've had now for you know, the better part of 15 years, and now you're going to see quantitative tightening, and I think the effects may be a little harsher than people expect, but. Hopefully, we'll get through all of that and I'll be okay.
1: That was Jamie Dimon speaking to Bloomberg's Stephen Engel from JP Morgan's Global China Summit in Shanghai.
2: And our Chief North Asia Correspondent, Stephen Engel, is here, fresh from his big exclusive interview. <laughs> Stephen, great to have you with us. What stood out for you? A fascinating conversation, so many topics covered. Oh, I tried, didn't I? I tried. <laughs> and, uh, and he kind of just said, "Stephen, you can keep on asking
4: the same question. I'm going to tell you, uh, he's in uh, China for the long haul." Look, they've they've spent, you know, their exposures in excess of ten billion dollars. They over the quietly, I guess you could say, over the co- course of the pandemic when China was sort of locked down, they really, uh, you know, solidified their ventures there. They had joint ventures as required by the government, but you know, the Chinese government to give them credit; they have said that they want. Want to liberalize and open up uh, to foreign investment, the financial services sector. And J.P. Morgan has taken advantage of that. I mean, they've gotten 100% ownership this year of their mutual fund venture. Uh, in 2021, they got their securities venture, which did turn a profit last year. You know, one of the only few major banks that are, foreign major banks that are in China that did last year. Uh, you know, China was kind of locked down last year, right? Uh, and then also the futures venture. So he, he's not, I didn't Ever expect Jamie Dimon to sit here with me on Bloomberg Television? Even though we go way back, of course, <laughs> we've we've had about three or four conversations all in China. I wasn't expecting him to to tell me that wow, we're it, it's it could get untenable. We're going to pull out or we're going to you know scale down. No, mm-hmm. he was pretty bullish. They're in it for the good times and the bad times.
1: Yeah, although I suppose that the counter to that is um, that maybe others don't feel the same way. I mean, what stood out to me, for example, I'm sure you know better than than, than me even on this, but the American Chamber of Commerce uh, business climate survey that showed that China's no longer a top three investment opportunity priority for a majority of US firms. I mean, that was the kind of evidence this year that highlighted the doubts.
4: Well, I think that's where I was kind of going. And, you know, Mm. in his conversations with his clients and, you know, look, probably a lot of his clients are at the high end and also Chinese clients as well uh, with with significant, significant investments. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of headwinds for American businesses, whether we haven't even talked about the potential Biden executive order to, you know, basically ban American companies from investing in the Chinese operations in AI quantum computing and semiconductors and the like uh, and and the whole you know opaque nature of sanctions and tit-for-tat sanctions uh but (laughs) again you know he he says that they're they're in it for the long haul despite what's happening and there's a big crackdown going on right now with consultancies Mm. and and due diligence firms that that Companies need this data and this information. So it's it's a very complex situation. You mentioned American Chamber of Commerce. Eric Zhang, he's the head in Shanghai. He said, without proper due diligence, foreign companies will be unable to invest in new projects in China. I tried to kind of get uh, you know, uh, Mr. Diamond to talk on those, nat- on those grounds. He-, he wasn't having much of it.
2: Stephen, it was a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for your thoughts uh, after your interview with the JP Morgan CEO. That's our chief North Asia correspondent, Stephen Angle, speaking to us there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great insights. Uh, interesting interview. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk about these issues: treat AI like a nuke. That's as does price
0: cap and the CBI's insolvency question. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
5: Now, the paper
2: review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is with us with the details of those stories. Morning to you, Leanne. So let's start with The Times. Their top story, AI poses same threat as nuclear wars and pandemics, experts say.
3: Pretty stark warning, isn't it, Stephen? And artificial intelligence leaders are warning about this existential threat that technology does pose for us, the whole society. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societies scale risks, uh, says um, such as pandemics and nuclear wars you mm. just mentioned. And this is all according to the Centre for AI Safety. And they basically brought out the statement highlighting what they think are real concerns. And concerns about AI range from the possibility of it taking over human jobs, which we've spoken about before, to it being used by humans to design things like bioweapons or computer viruses. So really causing a lot of stress to civilization. This is what they saying could happen. The document was actually signed by more than 400 executives and researchers, including the Open CEO, Sam Altman. And according to Dan Hendricks, now he's the director for the center. He says, although that they have different views on the severity of the mm. risk when it comes to AI, yeah. all of them believe it could have catastrophic outcomes and it needs to be handled well yeah and this is all from case right
1: this this is the organization that has written this and that the times is focused on it's a san francisco-based research organization and they've got some really big names who have, have written about this, including um, winners of the Turing Prize and a lot of experts in a, in the AI field. So they're quite a kind of interesting, credible organisation. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, seeing
2: seeing names like Sam Altman from OpenAI in there as well is really interesting, given the focus that we've had on, on their chat GPT. And also
3: Demi um, Hassabis, we must remember, he's British. He actually started the British arm of DeepMind. So he's a really interesting voice too in all of this. But what companies are calling for is regulation. And they want this regulation before the technology moves so fast and takes over. So this is almost like a pause, a warning before things become slightly out of control.
2: OK, let's go to The Telegraph next, Leanne. The story on the Asda boss criticising Sunak's, quote, clumsy plan. To cap food prices,
3: you can't interfere in the markets. The markets will control themselves. Now, that is the warning from ASDA's chairman, Stuart Rose, in The Telegraph. Now, writing in The Telegraph, he says the government needs to be careful of unintended consequences in capping prices in supermarkets and really interfering, as he says. He's hit out at clumsy plans by ministers to impose these price caps on supermarkets. And this really comes amid fears that soaring grocery inflation is now becoming entrenched in our economy. And it came after the CMA said it will assess how suppliers and supermarkets are making decisions on prices as part of a wider investigation into the system. We do know food inflation hit 19% in April, according to the Office for National Statis- Statistics. That's the highest in 45 years, so it's absolutely massive, mm. as does actually one place that's tried to keep its prices, as Stuart Rose explains, at normal rates. He's not trying to raise them, and he says this is important for the consumer, but I remember Stephen also just mentoring mortgages earlier, and this is something else in the Telegraph. It says analysts at City suggest Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, may start offering mortgage subsidies, and this is for people who are struggling to get onto the housing ladder. This is all in this Telegraph piece. It's really interesting.
1: OK, and just lastly, The Guardian, the headline, the CBI sought legal advice over possible insolvency after misconduct scandal.
3: Yes, so members of the Confederation of British Industry do begin voting today on their plans for the future, with the board lining up potential insolvency if reforms are, inject- are rejected. Listen, we have no ideas what these proposals are yet the results of the ballot will be announced next mm. week on Tuesday the Guardian says a business lobby group did a request guidance of insolvency among other restructuring offers and this really as it battles for survival in the wake of a sexual misconduct allegations yeah rain Newton Smith we know she's the new director-general and this vote could determine if people have faith in her
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day. Right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.